0: I'm Rowan Mackie, and welcome to I'm Loving Your Work. Today on the show, we have Diane Dunleavy, better known as Dee Dee. Dee Dee, with her on-air partner Grubby, have been in Melbourne Radio for nearly 30 years. After hearing Grubby's story last week, this week it's Dee Dee's turn, and I think it's interesting the different sorts of background that they've had. Having now spoken to both Grubby and Dee Dee, it's really interesting hearing how those different backgrounds inform what the current show is now. DD Dee still got a clear interest in the newsworthiness of the story, and we talk about finding the balance between entertainment and newsworthiness, as well as a bit more about DD's Dee journey. I hope you enjoy my chat with DD, Diane Dunleavy. Okay, well, DD Dunlevy, thank you so much for talking to me today. And, Hi, yeah, well,
1: welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. I've listened to a little bit of your podcast. Good.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm very interested to talk to you. And and I have spoken to Grubby now as well. Uh, And so I'm interested to get sort of your perspective, having heard his perspective. I imagine that there'd be a little bit that's sort of similar, but also a little bit that's different as well. So yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this.
1: Very much so. Okay, go on. So yeah, so I suppose
0: the first question that we like to ask on the show to, to everyone that we speak to is that when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: I never had a clue. I, well, no, I I think I thought I wanted to be a teacher, but I think that's something a lot of kids do because that's really, when you're growing up and you're in school, especially primary school, that's the only adult that you see working. You don't see your mum and dad usually at work, and so you think that's what I'm going to be. But I think as I got towards the end of high school, I thought I've already spent 12 years in school. Do I really want to go into a university and learn how to spend the rest of my life in a school. You've spent your entire life in, in a classroom. Um, so I started to think more about other things I could do. I had some crazy notion that I wanted to be a chemist,
0: okay, a yes. pharmacist.
1: Yeah. I have no idea why. I was terrible at chemistry.
0: Yeah. was Was there anything that I suppose that you pursued in terms of hobbies that way or – Was it just, yeah, this sort of little burning kind of notion in your head that that was what you wanted to do?
1: Well, my father is a technician and I did do physics in VCE, uh, HSC as it was when I did it. And so I've always sort of had an interest in in those technical type areas. Um, And like I said, I did chemistry in my HSC and and I actually, no, I did all right in it. um, (laughs) But because um, there's a very logical side to my brain that likes to have facts and figures and, and uh, things like that. But um, uh, is this the worst podcast episode I've, you've ever done? I'm just ta- no, why no, am I talking no, no, about chemistry? No no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's very interesting <laughs> though because there's I feel that
0: there's a real difference between that and maybe, I suppose, the creative side of, of radio. And I suppose yes. radio, I feel, is almost more down the humanities than the scientific side in Definitely, many ways. Yeah. So how did that come to be that, that radio was sort of where your career ended Up going?
1: It was one comment from one teacher. So, as I said, I was very into the sciences. Uh, I loved biology. And my English teacher wrote on, um, I can see it now in my head, on the end of an essay that I'd written, she said, You write very well, you should consider a career in journalism. And that was when I was doing, you know, Form 6 or HSC. And She was a teacher that I admired, and I I remember sitting and staring at it and thinking I hadn't even thought of that. Mm. And when I thought about it, I had always been writing. My mother writes a lot. She's not professional in that area, but, you know, we used to do things like instead of just leaving a note on the kitchen bench, there would be an entire poem we yeah, would write to okay, each other. You know, yeah. there'd always been that creativity yeah. around my home. Um, and so I started to seriously consider it. And once I thought about it, it just felt natural for me. Yeah, sure. Mm.
0: And so was that something that you then went, okay, um, this is what I'm going to pursue as soon as sort of school finishes? Yeah. Or, yeah. And so yep. how did that come
1: about? Well, I remember sitting on the um, lounge room floor at home after I'd finished my HSC. And, I, and English and biology were my two top subjects, Um And I wrote 20 letters... And I sat there with the envelopes and put them all, you know, to the age and the Herald and the Sun and um, sent them off to everyone hoping for a cadetship and I got one reply from the Herald. I got invited in for an interview. I heard at the time that they were interviewing 400 people, whether that was right or not. (laughs) I think I got to the second interview and I didn't get any further than that and was completely crushed. thought I'll never be any good at this. Um, But I then got a response from one of the local papers, the standard newspaper which had a little paper down in Mornington um, called The Town Crier. It was just a little 24-page paper and they offered me a cadetship. So mm. down I went and it was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me.
0: And so this is one of the things I was really interested to get your perspective on, because having spoken to to Grubby, he had quite a different sort of entry into radio. Uh, myself, sort of when I was growing up, I had always sort of intended to study journalism and sort of go through to, say, TV and radio, that way sort of thing. Yeah. So how, I suppose, do you think, say, your approach with journalism, how do you think that differentiates, I suppose, your role within your partnership with Grubby?
1: Mm, um. Well, I think I had a very different way in, as you said, because I started as a journalist and so what happened was I was working at the Town Crier as a journo and a friend of mine, Kim Sporton, was working at 3MP, which was in Frankston, just up the road from where I was working. She was doing voice training, lessons learning who work in radio and she said, why don't you come along? So I went in, made some tapes, sent them off, um, sent one to Fox who were looking for someone in their newsroom like me at the time and that's how I got my start. Um, but my background, and I'm I, I, I I'm not a working journalist, I wouldn't classify myself as that now, but in my heart that's what I am. If something happens, well, I mean, I live for those moments when a story breaks yeah. and and – I just always assumed that everyone else does that, but I think it's it, it's not every not everyone is like that. Whereas I am, I have to constantly be looking at the news, what's the new angle, asking questions, wanting to know the truth. That I think is, if you're a journalist, that's mm-hmm. you have that, and that's what's in the heart of me. Um, so that's my background and my training. So my training was fantastic. Working on a small paper meant that. I got very hands-on attention from my editor, a woman called Dinah Monks, who to this day I just worship. Um, and, uh, you know, I was taught to not just accept things at face value sure. and to always question no matter who you're talking to, who's in power, always look for more, look for the facts, look for the truth. Um, and so that's what I have in me when I'm working. And grubby comes from a more irreverent Yes, fun side yeah. of things, you know. I think the rag trade is where, yeah. <laughs> where yeah. he started well, off. Well, I
0: think that's one of the reasons that you guys work so well together um, is that he has, yeah, as you said, I suppose more irreverent, if anything, light entertainment, mm. but then it's also, I suppose, grounded in the current affairs of what's going on. I'm the vibe uh, suck. Yeah, <laughs> no, but what I want to know, though, is, is how do you, I suppose, inform what goes into the show in terms of balancing the entertainment? Factor with mm. the more informative factor.
1: Yeah, good question. Uh, I think because the show we do together on Three AW is um, the weekend break is is kind of a magazine style yeah, show, so yeah. it's not hard news, but at the same time, Three AW is a news talk station, so it's always top of my mind mm. because of the reasons I just said that. If something's breaking, something's happening. I'm on that. I'm I'm watching that. I'm I'm looking for for something on that, um, and Grubby will kind of if, if if a story breaks while we're on air, he'll kind of keep things bubbling along with a caller while I'm investigating or looking stuff sure, up or yeah. trying to find out more information. Yeah, I don't know whether I answered that question. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. and
0: and has is that different? Say now, as you mentioned, three AW is more of a, a news sort of station. To mm. say when you were on Fox or, or Gold One Hundred Four on FM mm. radio, how was that? I suppose was that, say, for lack of a better term, itch able to be scratched for you in terms of your <laughs> sort of more journalism brain there, or is that something that's more you've been able to have a bit more freedom since coming to 3AW? Oh,
1: uh, the freedom here, this is, I feel like my whole life has been building up to working here. I'm the happiest working on AW that I've ever been. That's not to say that I didn't, I loved my years at Fox, Gold. mm, I loved my years at Fox. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So what what is it about 3AW then? Well, uh,
1: can I just uh, say something before we move on to that? At Fox, I was reading the news and preparing the news and presenting it as well as doing the fun part of the show at gold i was reading the news i wasn't preparing it it was the bulletin was being handed to me i was presenting it on air and i was also doing the fun stuff the program stuff and then while we were at fox 2006 uh, sorry at gold um i was taken off reading the news and i felt as though both my arms had been cut off. Mm. I have never recovered from the hurt of it um, because that was me. I was the news person. That was just what I do, what I am. And I felt as though they'd just pulled apart what I was. And so that's why I don't remember those years very fondly because of having the news taken away from me when we were there. And so being now at 3AW where it's news talk, And the best at news talk, this is like heaven for me. It's like making up for those years that I was at Gold where I wasn't allowed to be part of the news cycle.
0: Yeah. yeah, sure. And is that something, I suppose, is that a common occurrence as a, a personality in media where, for example, the say the powers that be at a certain station maybe see something different for you than how you see it? How does that, I suppose, uh, relationship work between someone who, who is say like an on-air talent who has their own ideas in mind in terms of where they want their career to go, mm. but then to be taken away from that, how does that, is, is that a, a common thing, I suppose, in radio where where someone will place you in an area where they sort of believe that you'll do better than, say, where you're most passionate about?
1: Um, I don't know how common it is. I know that I was always difficult for management because I was across both areas. Programs and news are separate areas in most radio stations and because I was straddling. I mean there were stupid conversations about which budget would I be paid out of, that sort of stuff. Um, whereas for me it just felt natural because um, the news side of things nobody is, is dead serious in news all the time. To me it made sense to be able to talk about something serious but then go and crack a gag because no, one, no person is one thing or the other. Um, I don't think that anyone has much say in what they do you're you're no matter where you work you're usually at the behest of management so whatever they want you to do having said that here there is a bit more freedom i've found to to say look here's what i really would love to be doing and they do listen and they do consider that but i think more so in the fm you're told what you're going to be doing um, and you do it and you do it with a smile on your face to the best of your abilities
0: Mm -hmm. And so, you mentioned, obviously, the the freedom of 3AW. Mm. Is part of that 3AW sort of existing audience that you sort of felt some compatibility with once you got here, or... I suppose, did you then try and construct your own audience sort of based on, mm. uh, yeah, ba- I suppose, yeah, the, the intersection of where your passions are between news and, and sort of entertainment radio? Did you sort of think, how can I almost kind of gather and capitalise on that market? Or was it sort of, okay, the 3A, 3AW three audience is sort of recognised and they have their own sort of audience, so we best tailor our sort of, um, I suppose, show to that?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting because I think If I'm honest, when I came here, I felt like um, that Grubby and I had to introduce ourselves to the 3 aw audience, even though there is some crossover between A.W. and Gold. So I think... A part of the audience here would have been familiar with who we were because we've been on air in Melbourne for it would have been twenty five years at that point so they would have known our uh, things but firstly, we've both got stupid names <laughs> for, for adults on a, on a news station I mean you know Dee's bad enough but grubby I mean, <laughs> no. so we probably faced this thing and look it's I still get it now um more so on Twitter or something like that people will say what's what's that for a name Who are you because oh, it I mean, sounds silly see, I think it was a bit- (laughs)
0: nicknames have almost gone out of the vernacular a little bit like we see it in the AFL all the time you know back in the days you know Brucey Dool the Flying Doormat and all these sorts of ones whereas (laughs) these days you might get a shortening of a name or I suppose Buddy's the closest we've got but yeah yeah, there's something yeah, almost parochial and sort of nice (laughs) about the nickname that yeah it's gone away a little bit I
1: don't mind it but there (laughs) there is that perception and um, I was on Sky News uh, just recently and they did a tweet with my name in it and I was Looking at some people arguing about what we'd been discussing, it was coal at the time. Um, and one person's argument was, Well, there you are, you've been taken down by um, one half of that Grubby and Dee, Dee breakfast steward. So there, <laughs> there is that thing that we are still seen as, you know, just two FM wacky funsters, sure. which we actually are. And, <laughs> and it is a question that I do actually think to myself, but all I can do is be Authentic to who I am. If I was going to come in here and start talking like Neil Mitchell, mm. um, it, people would go, What's wrong with her? Why is she doing that? Or if I came in here, waka waka waka, cracking gags, and what, mm. you know, that would probably um, put a few of the listeners off who like to have a bit of sensible discussion. They yeah. don't want, you know, fun lines the entire time. So um, I, I just, all I can do is be an authentic me. My default position is to find the humour in something, which is probably my upbringing. You know, I, I'm born in London. My parents are English and everything's, you know, wacky English humour. It's just all the, it was just the way I was brought up. Yeah. Um, and I would consider that to be a fault actually in what I do is that I do tend to find humour in things when I probably shouldn't. So I'll go for a, a you know, a line where I should be probably analysing something and giving a hard-edged opinion on it. Sure. But, um, yeah, I think we we di- certainly were conscious of having to um, introduce ourselves to the audience here yeah. and make them um, – they kind of – they have to know where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to put a handle on you. And there's – years ago we had some consultant – consultants always come into radio stations and tell you how to do things, and this was an FM consultant from America. But he did say something that made sense, and that was he called them deep footprints um, – And that is that if you're on air, people listening really need to to hook into or understand who and what you are. So I would hope that people who listen regularly to our show would know I'm a St Kilda supporter. I'm a mother of two. I'm the wife of a tradesman. I collect antiques. I like gardening. You know, they they learn those things about you.
0: And so to that end, what To what degree do you develop, I suppose, an on-air persona and to what degree is it sort of, I suppose, how much of yourself that you let through, which I suppose is almost developing a persona in itself. Yeah. So uh, is there, I suppose, that element of wanting to, say, hold back elements of your personality, whether it be for for more social occasions or, Mm. yeah, over time, I suppose... How how is your persona developed, and then does it change from when, say, you move from Fox to three uh, to Gold to three AW, or when you're part of Grubby and DD? Is that different to when you're doing trending, or?
1: Um, yeah. No, there's no persona. Un- sure. Well, yeah. uh, especially on three AW. If anything, um, I would have been probably a bit more restricted when I was on Gold and um, and Fox because it's fm and it, it's probably a little bit different now you know there are opinions and and more thoughtful things being done but really most of the time that grubby and i were there it was light bright and tight and get get into the next song you know you were really just a bit of noise in between songs and so i, I would you know it was that kind of vibe of keep a smile on your face and don't argue with, with people i remember once a discussion came up at gold about smoking which i detest and um uh I argued with someone on air and said that I thought smoking was disgusting. Well, I was hauled into, ma- into the general manager's office afterwards and told not to argue with the listeners. Sure. Whereas here at 3AW, I can have that argument, not in an angry way, yeah, but we, we're yeah, all adults. Discussion. We can have a discussion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The same way that I would, you know, if I was at a dinner party with friends and yeah. I disagreed with someone, I'm not going to yell at them and I'm just going to say I don't like smoking. I really don't. Here's why I don't like it they can put their side of it. I'm not going to throw them out of my house. We're all going to have dessert next. You know, I think you can have those adult discussions. But, um, yeah, to answer the question, I would have to say that on AW, there is no persona. What what I am, what I'm talking to you now, if you put this conversation here on your podcast onto our show, it would be the same person. And when I'm doing Friday night trending show on my own, I'm the same person again because that's all I can do is just be – me just be yeah. what I do and say what what is in my head at the time which mm. cannot always be great yeah. but
0: <laughs> do you uh do you have to develop a filter at all in terms of uh like are you ever worried about what you'll say on air or are there <laughs> are, are there things that you've maybe <laughs> said on air that you thought oh gee I maybe shouldn't have said that or oh,
1: gee that's hard um I do, well yes a little bit a little bit and I, I mean that just in terms of language I am a Tiny bit of a sweary bear on occasion, <laughs> so I do have to stop um, expressions coming out of my mouth sometimes. Um, I did inadvertently swear over um, our last summer period, but that was I was saying. I was talking about red currants. <laughs> and I'll just leave that there. It was more a slip of a tongue than okay. an actual uh, swear word.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, I think I'm following. Yeah.
1: But as far <laughs> as like um, censoring myself, yeah, look, it's it's funny. I I would say if any if if I do have a, a failing, it's that I am very easily swayed to somebody else's opinion. So I will have my own opinion, what I think and feel. But if someone else puts a really good case to me, I'll kind of go, oh, yeah, actually. So I can be turned to what other people think. So sometimes because I'm listening to other people's opinions, I then start to doubt myself and think that I'm wrong. So sometimes when I'm talking, if it's a particularly strong opinion or conversation about something, I do hear in the back of my mind. I can't think of a good example, but I do tend to hear little voices going, you shouldn't be saying that because, you know, whether it be feminists because I'm not the greatest feminist in the world, it's so even saying that you know i'm the little voices are saying what do you mean yeah yeah <laughs> like i'm not not a feminist i'm not I, i'm i'm support my female friends and uh, i have a daughter who i teach how to be strong and confident and all those things but there's a lot of what feminism is now that i don't agree with in the way they behave and and bully um And so those little voices are in my head sometimes and I do find myself choosing my words carefully. That's probably a better way to put it. I wouldn't censor what I say, but I do find myself sometimes slowing down, thinking, oh, who's going to be cross with me for saying this and tempering what I was going to say. So I've got to try and get over that and Absolutely, go for it.
0: And is that something that's, I suppose, developed more recently or at least, I suppose, intensified more recently with these days, I suppose, uh, for lack of a better term, there's a bit more of a moral tightrope that people do walk these days in the sense that, um, yeah, there's, oh, I suppose, a lot more sort of outrage in certain areas that, that some years ago maybe that wouldn't have caused yeah. the same sort of amount of fuss. Um, I'd I, not to necessarily sort of harp on it too much, but I think it's a, it'd be interesting to to ask your perspective on it. Um, where a couple of years ago when Nigella Lawson went through sort of her her issues with her second husband, yeah, uh, I believe that sort of what what you said at the time was almost misconstrued in yes. the sense that you were you were supporting her in many ways, and yes. um, and yeah, I, from how I took it, I think saying something that was Intended to be sort of empowering to to herself and other women, whereas that was then to almost taken by many people to yeah. that you were saying essentially what was the opposite thing.
1: Exactly. So yeah. Exactly. So
0: is that did that experience I suppose change how you think of things overall?
1: Um, that experience, I did learn a lot from that I, The main thing I learned from it was that, and this was something that you know friends were saying to me at the time is it will blow over, so the outrage that you you mentioned there it, it is a frightening thing, and if anyone 's been subjected to it because I was for for several days, um, and it was brutal it, mm-hmm. and, and it 's really stressful and it 's very upsetting. But if you turn off Twitter and turn off Facebook and go and walk your dog at the park, it doesn't exist. Mm. So I learned that, that the outrage is actually not real and it's something another friend in media said to me, it's not real. And another friend said, it goes away. As soon as the next story comes along, uh, the outrage that was directed at you disappears. And I spoke to another, and I won't name her because I don't think that's fair, but I spoke to... um, She's a a performer and entertainer uh, at that time when that thing had kicked off. And she told me that she had said something once, she's a stand-up comedian, she had said something once um, uh, that had really upset people a lot. Um, I don't know how, I'll just say it was to do with a person with Down syndrome. Her words were misconstrued. She certainly didn't mean any harm by it, but when she was telling me, she said, oh, it was the biggest thing. And when she was telling me, I was thinking, I didn't hear anything about this. I didn't hear it. I don't know what you're talking about. So sometimes the outrage and the huge rock that rolls down the hill towards you rolls on. And you find that a lot of people don't hear it. It's only those who are part of the pile on are aware of it. So I guess what I'm saying is that I've got much better, and I actually genuinely don't care about the outrage because it's it's faux. It's not real. And 99% of the people who are part of the pylon, they're, they're, they're just – I think a lot of them don't even think about what they're saying. They just want to be angry at something. They throw their rock and then they're done, and they move on to the next thing. So it kind of doesn't exist, if you know mm. what I mean.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's really interesting. So was that something? So you mentioned obviously, at, maybe at first it was a, it was a tough couple of days. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. So so what did those couple of days involve? Was that something that 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 lesson that you just sort of shared with us? Yeah. Did you sort of learn that the hard way, for lack of a better term? Yes,
1: yes, I did. Um, but I also learned that I had the support here at um, 3AW, they they were actually – they said, no, don't – I think their their main thing was don't let this put you off because it was in the early days that, that we were here at AW. It was the first time I'd come out with a, 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 an opinion piece of any particular sort. Um, I can remember them saying to me, don't let this put you off, having an opinion. Yeah, and it did and, it at all? Uh, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. If anything, it made me – want to um have my say on other things so that people could see well i think i think people who knew me no i'm not a bad person i'm not an evil person i certainly was not wishing ill on nigella i think she's fabulous i adore her and only wanted her to be stay, safe and okay and i stand by what i say is in, in that i think she was in a position where she could have come out and said something that would have empowered other victims of domestic violence i mean I think what came out of that was or what was misconstrued was that somebody said that I was calling for um a I boycott. Yeah. A, I mean just stop for a moment and think of that yeah. logic <laughs> that I would that I would wish upon a woman who was going through a most traumatic time that I would choose that moment to say Boycott Nigella Lawson's products, like it's so insane. Yeah, which
0: that really speaks to that sort of lack of thought that you yes, spoke about before. Exactly, it was yeah. just people
1: going, "She said that." And yeah, I was thinking, "No, hang on a minute, go back and read the article. I didn't say that at all." But it turned, it had already turned into a giant snowball yeah. by that stage, and was it was going, and there was no stopping it. And but that's absurd. Yeah, as if I would say that. But uh, and the, and I was sitting in my home, going, "I didn't say that." Yeah, but it was too late. You know, they'd already yes. thought that I had said it. And so does that
0: now inform your reactions to potentially other stories in the media where there is outrage involved?
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, Again, it comes back to what's the truth? What are the facts? Go back to the very... Like if there is a big story that blows up and, oh, someone said this and someone said that, I'll always try and go back to the source of it. Where did it kick off? Where did it start? and then see how the story grew from there and see have people been quoted correctly. And, I mean, it's difficult these days because you don't even know if you can trust the actual media.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, we well, were speaking off air briefly about everything that's happened recently with sort of Seven in Adelaide and yeah. how they sort of, yeah, mainly took one side of the story with Sam Powell Pepper, the the Port Adelaide footballer. And, and yeah, as you say, because it's, it, it's interesting sort of hearing you speak, I think, because a lot of what you say, I think, is informed by... I suppose, more conservative journalism in terms of Mm. keeping the journalist code of ethics in mind and and all that sort of thing. Whereas do you look at the radio industry as a whole and maybe think that even the media as a whole and think that maybe the media has gone away from that? And if so, why do you think that's been the case or or maybe it hasn't been?
1: No, look, I don't think the mainstream media has, no. I think... um I think there's such enormous competition in in media and the mainstream media is no longer the sole source of what we, what we hear when a story breaks. Um, and there are so many bloggers and there are so many people who aren't formally trained and who probably are not across the laws of media. Um, and i think because of that rush to get things to 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 air yeah. whether that be via a social media channel or one of the conventional media channels um i think there is more of a possibility of not all the facts being correct or so i d- i don't want to go so far as to say journalism standards are crumbling because because every jono that i know that i can that's popping into my head now are incredibly proud of what they do and, um, uh, have integrity. Um, but sometimes because there is this rush and it literally is like, you know, every second of every day, we don't even have, you know, night time where you can rest. It's stuff's going the whole time. Now, um, mistakes can happen. Mistakes are more likely to happen because yeah. of that. And maybe there isn't time to get somebody to give their side of the story. If they're the accused, you know, and so maybe there is a bit of imbalance creeping in, not through lack of good intention, but just because journalists are under so much pressure. Yeah, yeah.
0: I heard. Uh, I heard of Laura uh, Tingle from uh, the Australian recently talking about uh, in political uh, journalism, mm. where these days they're just so under pressure to get stories out that often all they have time to do is is analyse who the story is sort of going to affect, rather mm. than presenting it objectively and sort of just putting it out there for sort of people to make their mind up. Really, yeah. they're more saying, "Oh, this." is going to hurt the government or this is going to sort of help the government in a certain way or you know the opposition's going to struggle to respond to this or it's 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 almost pointed in a certain direction yeah um which yeah i it, yeah, it's it's almost sad that things have gone that way but as you say like I think due to new media, there's so many more opportunities for for I suppose people to get involved in that way. Yeah. And, um. So yeah. So it's a bit of a pr- a pro and con sort of type scenario. I think.
1: Yeah. Look, I, I actually don't mind the fact that there are so many other people who can be part of the reporting landscape when something happens. I mean, people on the street, anyone with an iPhone can film something, and people are tweeting it, and then you know that's their images and their words are being used by um, mainstream media outlets. As part of their story, look at any edition of the Herald Sun. They're actually including, you know, the tweets and things in their thing. So everyone's a reporter these days. So you just have to trust in the the editors and the and the news directors uh, uh, that they're um, making the right choices about what they're using as part of their report. Yeah. Because you know, if it's someone on the street who's a, who's witnessed something happening, uh, do we trust what they say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and so.
0: Uh, over your time in radio, obviously, you've got the, the show trending uh, at the moment, mm. so obviously you've clearly sort of got your finger on the pulse in many ways, um, but did you notice a change in the radio industry as new media and, and say, podcasts and YouTube and all this sort of uh, these way, platforms of getting information out there, did that affect the radio industry much at, at the time? Was it a gradual change or was it a uh, one day you kind of went, oh, wow, hold on, there's so much different that we do here that we weren't doing, say, a year ago or...
1: Yeah how no, did that come to be I don't think radio the the essence of radio has changed and I don't think that it will. And I remember when um iPods were invented. <laughs> Thanks for nodding. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, I remember probably, that yeah. was probably before you were born. No, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and everyone was going, Oh, this is it this will be the yeah. end of radio. Yeah. No, no I will not ever listen to the radio yeah, again because it. you know they can get their music on that. Well they don't because radio has two things. It's 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 live and it's local. It's at it, it's very essence. It is someone to relate to, and that's always going to be the case. You're going to have one or two people who you can name straight away on the radio who you love listening to, and you feel, you develop this personal relationship with them. There's this friendship, this strange bond, even though you may not have ever met the person. Yeah. Um. No matter what radio show, whether it's a news one or a, or an FM show or something, um. what I do find interesting at the moment in radio is that a lot of the people who are on air – who are doing very well, are people who've been around forever. There's not as much new blood. And I would have thought that with so many young people coming into the area, like yourself, you're making your own podcast, your voice is out there getting heard now, that there's not more new blood coming into the landscape. And I'm looking at FM shows like um, Husey and Kate. They've been around forever. Yeah. Um Mick Malloy and Jane Kennedy they've been around forever, yep. you know grubby and I we've been around forever there There are people who've been around forever who are still are still doing it and are still holding down key shifts on top stations, so I can't quite work out why we're not hearing more, and I know there's new young show and will and woody there's there's new young talent coming through, but we're not hearing as much of it as I would have expected by this stage, given that with social media, blogs, podcasts, and all these other outlets have been around for a few years now. I don't know why we're not hearing more of those people.
0: Do you think it's, I suppose, an accessibility issue in terms of when you've already got established people in those roles, it, it, it takes a sort of certain amount to knock them off?
1: Um... I suppose so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I have thought about it and I don't know what the answer is. I don't know why. Yeah, there's still this old school thing in most of the media outlets I can think think of. I'm thinking of, you know, the TV station newsrooms. There's still the people who've been there for a long time who are running it. And I don't know why we're yeah. not giving. Well,
0: I suppose, like, there, there is still that, I suppose, uptake on the consumer level of radio and, and sort of more traditional news from younger people as well. I myself listen to radio a number of hours a day, usually, yeah. this sort of thing. But um, why do
1: you listen to the radio?
0: Um, there's that more, I suppose, element if you feel plugged in. Uh, you feel like you know what's going on in a sort of real-time sense. Like I love listening to podcasts and stuff too, but sometimes you might not catch a podcast until Mm. it's three weeks old or uh, they might be talking about more evergreen content that isn't, more applicable to the day that you're going throughout the time, yeah. whereas I like you know listening to Neil Mitchell in the morning, and I quite enjoy listening to Neil Mitchell and John Fane, and mm-hmm. sort of seeing the differences in opinion and the way that they present a story, and yeah, um, yeah I, I feel that there is that I suppose uh, more live element to it that uh, that yeah certainly appeals to me, mm. um, and like I heard something recently where I think the average Australian still listens to over two hours of radio a day. On average, so um, yeah, it's it's certainly not a not a dying media in that sense, which no. um, which is great,
1: and it never will. Yeah, it, it never will go away because of that companionship thing, um, and because people want to know what's going on around them. I mean, it's, break it right down; they want the time and the temperature, which is kind of this old FM thing: time and temp, time and temp. You know, it was we used to joke that that's what we were there for was to give them the time and the temperature, <laughs> and a bit of music, which is true. Um, but there's also uh, that feeling of, and this is something that I think has got stronger, As the, sometimes it feels like the world's just completely out of control, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It's just like everything's... Just sort of uncharted territory. exactly. Yeah, Yeah. but I think people still want to have that connection with other people and not just in talkback, but this happens on all radio stations where if you hear another person saying something that may not necessarily be the popular opinion, but you listen to them and you go, yeah, actually, that's what I think. Mm. That feeling of, or whether it be the radio host going, you know what, That's here's what I think or here's what happened to me and I thought this about it. And if you think, yeah, actually, I've felt the same way, that feeling of relating yeah. to someone of, of is sort there's of no other place you can get them. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a wonderful feeling. So we all want to belong. We all, whether it be part of a football barracking crowd. You know, we all want to have a team. We want to belong to something, and whether it be the school that you went to. And if you listen to a particular radio station, you kind of feel like you belong. You belong with the other people who listen to it. You hear them. You relate to them. Um, And and so I I don't think anything will replace that feeling that radio gives of belonging.
0: And, And to that degree, do you feel, I suppose, an obligation to your listeners to fulfill that role of, I suppose, companionship, for lack of a better term? Or do you more have that? So you're you're going to be sort of a DD, and and they can come along for the ride, or they're very welcome not to sort of thing. But then you'll develop your audience sort of just being who, who you are, as you mentioned sort of before, being authentic on air and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Or do you feel that hold on? Actually, you know, today I've uh, I've got, I've got to do it for whoever it is, for this listener out here no. who might be sitting at home. No. And, yeah. Okay. No. Yeah.
1: No, I never do. I mean, that's not to say I wouldn't if, if stand up for the little man, or that's a, oh, what a dreadful expression. Um, do you know what I mean? Like if someone yeah. were being put upon and they didn't have the wherewithal to fight something, I'm happy to fight for someone if if I think that that's the case, but if or if I felt that I could help them. But um, I, it's sometimes I do wonder what I am to our audience, and I. Th- I can only assume, like, I'm so ordinary, it's not funny. And occasionally, very occasionally, it doesn't happen much with radio and, and really our faces are not out there, but occasionally someone will, will say something to me at the supermarket and they'll say, are you, are you, are you Dee Dee? Yeah. Okay. Yes, here I am disguised as a lady buying ham. <laughs> you know, like, I just think of myself as the lady buying ham. Yeah. And uh, and I say and do what they think. So it goes back to what I said a moment ago about being relatable. I hope that I am that relatable person, but perhaps just with a slightly um, uh, magnified voice. Yeah, absolutely. So that if I say something, I feel as though, well, I hope that I'm saying it on behalf of some people who I could be, it's a bit presumptuous, isn't it, to say that you're speaking on someone's behalf, but that I hope that I would be, putting a point of view that, that, that they would feel like, yes, thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's what I'm aiming for anyway. Yeah. I'm a people pleaser. Yeah.
0: Well, I think, yeah, you mentioned that sort of accessibility. That is one of the great things
1: about radio is that mm. you can sort of
0: call up and, and speak to someone like yourself. And, yeah. Or, oh,
1: they can get you everywhere they want to get you there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really we are, we are so accessible and that's fine. You know, like I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter and, Happy to be there, and you know, it comes with all the cons that come with being on Twitter. Because if <laughs> the nasties can find you, too, that's fine, that's okay. I'm happy to listen to anyone's feedback. And uh, can I just make a point on that too? You know, a lot of people dismiss other people on social media if they've only got a small number of followers. Where to me, I don't use I, I wouldn't judge someone on whether they've got ten followers or ten thousand. I think everyone has a voice, and and if someone does tweet something to me. That's okay, even if they disagree with me. I, I t- draw the line at name-calling. If someone's mm-hmm. going to call me nasty things, I'll just um, mute them. Um, <laughs> there's one for the trolls, by the way. I don't yeah. block people. If you block them, they get a thing saying you're blocked oh, and they love it. Yeah,
0: validation. I just yeah. mute them. So yeah. they're
1: probably there hurling horrible stuff at me. And yeah. I, don't, I don't hear it. I don't yeah. see it. I don't see it. <laughs> but um, I do love the fact that people, anyone, can um, – give their feedback to because it's silly for me to sit in an echo chamber just saying stuff and not hearing back what other people think or feel about what I've said. So there's email, there's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's Insta, there's everything they can get us and obviously, you know, they can ring us when we're on air and say that they disagree but I, I welcome that because, you know, I always want to hear other people's points of view. Yeah, absolutely. As long as they agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so
0: between yourself and Grubby, obviously I mentioned before uh, trending the show that you've got on Friday nights in 3AW, mm. how does that, how, how does, I suppose, an individual show that, that you do yourself come out of the partnership? Is that something that was almost awkward to broach the first time um, or was it more natural that because the the pair of you are so strong together, yeah. it's it's not necessarily, a, say, a threat at all for you to be doing your own thing? No, that no way?
1: I don't think so at all um, because I'm still doing the work with Grubby, but we're kind of at different stages in our lives. I mean, he's... he's not quite uh he's nine years older than me so he's at a different stage of his life and physically he lives down the coast during the week whereas I'm up in town and um like I've said to you you know I'm I'm, I'm a news junkie I'm, I'm all over it all the time and um there were more sort of fill-in spots and bits and pieces for me to be doing here during the week and filling in and doing other I, used, I did some stuff on Talking Lifestyle for a year so you know, I'm still here driving them crazy saying, Give me some work, give me something to do. I'm getting bored. Quick, quick. No good can come of this. <laughs> whereas Grubbs got, you know, his life down there and he's got his grandkids that he helps look after and stuff. So, um, no, I think he, he was really happy and very supportive uh, when they asked me to do trending. Um, yeah, I think it's just a thing of he's probably at a different stage in his life, whereas I'm still looking for more stuff to do. And so, you know, when the Friday Night spot came up, I with yeah. my hand up. And so being on radio and,
0: as we've mentioned, having that accessibility to, say, the people of Melbourne, mm. how would you describe the perspective that you've had on Melbourne over the years in terms of... has. Has it been, I suppose, like an, an overview in in terms of, has it has it changed since you've sort of changed from station to station and been sort of exposed to different audiences? Hmm. Uh, or has it, I suppose, developed in that way? Or do you just, yeah, do you just think, you know, Melbourne's sort of Melbourne and always has been and, and you just sort of get to do what you do every day?
1: Interesting. Uh, gosh, because it had, I mean, it's probably been 30 years since I, when did I start? Yeah, it has been 32. I started in radio in 1986. That's a long time ago, isn't it? Um, I was working as a journo before that too. Um, I mean, can I just say Melbourne is the best city in the world and if you ever travel anywhere you realise that we are the luckiest people on this earth. We have everything that we could possibly want here. Um, I don't know how Melbourne's changed I, because I feel as though the audience have come with me and so the conversation that I was having as a uh, Oh, terrible with numbers. I don't know how old I was when I started on <laughs> radio. In my 20s, we'll say. The people that I was talking to there are probably the people who are listening to 3AW now. So, any feedback that I've had and any conversations that I've had with the people of Melbourne as I've progressed through my career. Have probably been with the same people. Okay, does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, like that, absolutely. Yeah, because the people who were listening to me on Fox back in the mid '80s are probably listening to 3AW now. So, if anything, I've probably that's only just occurred to me. I've only got that <laughs> a small sample of people who've come along with me the whole journey. Like it's 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 rare to have a 20 year old ringing 3AW with an opinion. It just happened, mm. but. Um, uh,
0: um oh, see I must me I'm usually in the car oh, quite often go, oh, I'd love to just ring, ring in but her. yeah I'm usually yeah you I, should, I should ring. Yeah, you the should you out, really yeah. should yeah yeah
1: yeah no 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 it's good I, it's great I mean I I do love it when young people ring I've got my daughter's 21 and my son's 19 and I I love getting their perspectives on things i love hearing what they're into and you know if they're talking about something one or bonnie will run around and go to barry oh have have you seen this and i'll be like listening in to what are they talking about (laughs) what is it you know it's something kanye or something i don't know (laughs) i want to know all that stuff what they're into um yeah so how has melbourne changed i mean it's grown obviously Mm. but it still feels the same it's that's a very hard question to
0: yeah. answer. I suppose, has it, has it? do you think, lost any of, I suppose, the parochialness that, that Melbourne used to have? So, for example, with like AFL football, for example, all the sort of suburbs that are AFL teams just have so much of their own character, mm. even still. Um, but that might have been maybe more the case 15 years ago or?
1: Mm. No.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, no, fair enough. Which, no, I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, which is a good thing. Because as you mentioned, Melbourne has grown in that way. So if it's able to sort of keep yeah. its keep its character, then, um
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I just, I'm, my mind just flew back to at Fox FM. We did a, um, there was a series of songs and I remember them because Tom Jones was out here and he sang one. And I think the one he sang, so there were kind of parodies on, on well-known songs, and his one was to the tune of Delilah, and it, but it was why, 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 Glen Iris. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the actual Tom Jones sang it. Wow! But and uh, and that kind of came at a similar time that uh, Triple M had it, and I think Fox had something similar. They had stickers that would go on the back of the car. Triple M ones were at different suburbs, so Triple M Rock Sunbury, and so there was very much. Your suburb was your suburb. And you, you might have hit on something actually that I hadn't really thought about. Yeah, that, you know, you, people were very much their suburb was their suburb. And so we had these songs back then, you know, and people in that suburb thought it was great. Mm. Whereas, yeah, you don't kind of hear people, but then maybe you do. I don't know. I don't know if people <laughs> are as suburb conscious these yeah. days. Yeah, it's a tough one. Are they? Yeah.
0: Well it's I swear, like question. I've just moved from sort of Footscray to Williamstown mm. <laughs> which had two pretty sort of um yeah well, for example, their v f l teams play each other <laughs> which yeah. you know, a few years ago <laughs> that probably wouldn't have been um the the greatest kind of move there in terms of the loyalty or anything yeah. like that,
1: but I think um, suburbs do have their own personalities definitely yeah, you know if you yeah, say Frankston yep. you know what you think about yep. that you think yeah. I don't know if it's changed or not. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned Tom Jones before as sort of someone who's a really big name, and mm. I imagine that you would have been exposed to some huge names mm. in radio. Who who are some of your favourite people that you've interviewed, and, and why do you think there have been such good interviews?
1: Um, oh, look, this is one that you'll find a few media people will say. Matt Damon was fantastic um, he, because he was... Seemingly so unaware of his own fame, Yeah, wow. he was yeah, just a that, nice guy. I know it was. It felt like talking to a guy who you'd say can't let's go down the footy now, you yeah. know. And he would come and sit at the footy with you and have a pie. <laughs> just a good, nice guy, and honest, and was asking questions back of Grubby and I. And the interesting thing with him was he then came. I think it was when he was doing the Bourne movies. He came back out again a couple of years later, and he remembered the conversation we'd had because it was to do with his best in Boston Red Sox. Oh yeah, and the Sydney,
0: Uh, yeah, Sydney Swans. And Grubby said, "Oh, how about
1: me? You know, it's seventy something years since the Swans have won." Well, but by the time he came back, the Swans had won. Yeah, and Matt Damon brought it up. You know, it was like, "Wow, how is this guy?" You know. Just a a lovely, respectful, polite man. I I like the way he doesn't play the Hollywood game so Mm. much. You don't see him on red carpets all the time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, A favourite interview. Gosh. I mean, I like people who are playful. Yeah. um, Or genuinely interesting or intriguing. I really liked talking to John Edward, the psychic. Psychic, yeah. Yeah. But then I'm a sucker for a psychic. Some people are very (laughs) sceptical about it. I thought there was quite a bit in what he had to say. Um, some are memorable for the wrong reasons I was really excited to be talking to Bette Midler but she was just deadpan I was heartbroken absolutely heartbroken Stevie Nicks was fantastic Um, and I had to interview her at a time of day I was a bit grumpy because I'd done breakfast and I had to come back in late in the afternoon to fit in with her schedule so I had a As my husband would say, a bit of shit on the liver. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I'm not happy that I'd have to do it. And she was so charming and so, you know, um, generous in what she wanted to talk about. I don't know. I don't know who my
0: favourite would be. Yeah. So in, in terms of that, you mentioned people like Stevie Nicks. So say mm. Stevie Nicks and Beth Midler, for example, mm. two sort of huge names. Mm. When you get names like that on the show, is it sort of you're speaking to someone who who's so sort of big and well-known that yeah. you know that people are going to listen to that and sort of regardless of, for lack of a better term, how it goes, yeah. um, people are still going to go, oh, that's such and such. And, and they've already got so many preconceived notions that necessarily you can't sort of do too wrong with that. Or is it sort of like, actually, hold on, we really need to think about this and sort of construct the best interview and, and sort of look at who they are and, and what they're going to relate to and that sort of thing. So you, you, it's, yeah. it's not as if you can sort of rely on the size of Star that way, is it?
1: No, you can't at all. And it's actually more challenging the more well-known they are. Um, and to meet Hamish and Andy with the Masters at this, because, say, for instance, Pink, Everyone's going to do an interview with Pink. What's your show going to include? You know, there's, and, and there's a certain degree of respect. If a person's giving you an interview, then you've got really, um, uh, have enough respect for them to, to push or to yeah, mention, you know, yeah. make, make it, make Promote something of what yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but Hamish and Andy, to my ears, always found something different. I yes, think there was once yeah. I heard them, uh, her doing a tattoo.
0: Yeah. The frog uh, on a skateboard or yeah, something. Yeah.
1: Like they would always to me seem to find or they'd cheer and you know they did some great stuff with him as well yep. always find something interesting and different to do and the celebrities love it because i mean look at it from their perspective they're being wheeled around if they're here on a publicity tour they're going into every radio station everyone's going to ask them what are we going to see in your show you know yeah. "What of you what are you working on next same old questions boring they love it if something different comes up. So the challenge with a well-known celebrity was always to just find something to, to, I mean, read about them, research as much as you can, try and find just that little something that you go, okay, that tells me you're interested in that. Um, one that came to mind is Steve Carell, who I just adore. And I read um, before interviewing him a story about him. I think it was must have been in an area where he has maybe a weekend cottage or something, a little corner store that was going to be ta- oh, bought by developers. Oh yeah, it's like a developers. bed and
0: breakfast or something. Like, yeah, with his he runs he with his it with his wife or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And he bought it and saved it. And so that said to me, okay, this is a guy who cares about history and and looking after things and looking after his community. And I can't remember what conversation I had with him that stemmed from that, but. You know, we talked about his movie, but then when I brought that up, I saw his eyes light up. Yeah. It was like, oh, I really want to talk about this yes, because it's obviously yeah. something he genuinely cares about. So the challenge with doing uh, to- talking to a big name is to find those things to sprinkle in that give them something interesting to talk about too. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And so if we look at sort of the radio industry as a whole and and I suppose your uh, pathway to getting into there, Mm. would you suggest to someone who wanted to get into radio these days to go through the sort of journalism and and tertiary study kind of route? Or would it be more of a way of, or, or is it sort of more... uh, individually applicable. So it may not have worked for Grubby, for example, to to go through the way that you did. Mm.
1: I think uh, it would be difficult for anyone to get into radio the way Grubby did, where he was just a character, an outstanding character and got a break. You know, once they put the mic in front of him, Mm. there was no taking it back from him. Um, I do think now you probably have to have... A journalism degree of some sort, just so you've got the basics of the equipment and, and the laws and just a landscape of it. I think if you were wanting to get into radio, try and get a look at what it is you want to do and also try and pinpoint what it is you want to do because there's so many different areas. In radio alone, you know, there, there's... There's the newsroom, and within the newsroom, there's political areas, there's sport, there's different areas you could concentrate on there, um... Do you want to be on air? Do you want to be a host? Do you want to be an expert in something? Experts can get airtime, you know, with talking about their particular field of stuff. Or do you prefer the production side of things? Would you rather be making podcasts and specials? Or would you rather be a producer and chasing stories and thinking of ideas and putting shows together but not doing the actual presenting of it? Um, I think you really need to have a look at as many... um, Media outlets, if it was radio, for instance, you wanted to get into, try and get your nose into as many radio stations as you can, as in get a contact and ask them, could I come in and sit in on the show and just watch what happens, watch what each of the people do, see which one and think that's what I want to do, and then ask for help. And you'll find that most people in the industry are happy to help. If you're someone who's genuinely interested in, in getting ahead in a particular field, radio is probably the only one I can talk about. Then you'll find that people do want to help you because they see themselves and and they also know that the future is young people such yeah. as yourself coming through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, just to finish up here, I won't take up any more of your time. No, it's no, i have reading your podcast. No, it's <laughs> been a great, great chat. I really enjoyed it. But, what's your favorite thing about what you've done over over your time in radio oh, if, if you had to wow. sort of if you had to say to someone you had say a, a, a minute to speak to someone and try and convince them to sort of go into the radio industry
1: what would you say about it i don't I, oh that's a very difficult question <laughs> we're on. um I can't pin it on any particular moment um it's funny. Too, some difficult moments just came into my mind, but not those. Um, when I was reading news, there were two two different occasions when I was reading news where the news involved people who I knew who died. That was mm. very difficult. That's not what you asked me. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's really interesting though. So, so that was yeah. you found that out yeah. at that time. Okay. Yeah,
1: and yeah. one I was not doing news, but I was on air, and and um, two little boys had been murdered, and. And and I knew them. It was that was very difficult. Um, what was the question? Uh, oh, your favorite moments. thing? Yeah, okay. we'll finish up
0: the positive. <laughs>
1: uh, I can't think of a single thing. I honestly can't think of a single thing. Every single day. This is yeah. going to sound like I'm the sugar plum fairy, but <laughs> every single day is so different. And. You never know what it's going to hold. Okay, all right, I'll give you one. And this is only because it came up the other day. I found a couple of old notebooks at home. I was cleaning out some shelves, and they were from from here when we started at 3AW. They'd just be all notes I would scribble down when we were on air. And one was a quote (laughs) that a lady had said to us while we were on air, and she said, if I start to scream, don't worry, it's the chooks attacking my slippers. (laughs) (laughs) She was she was I think she was in the chook pen. She was calling us from the chook pen about something we were talking about. She must have had slippers on that for some reason the chooks wanted yeah. to attack. But to me it was just adorable. Yeah. I just thought I love I love every single day getting a peek into yes. people's lives. Yeah. And so I can't I can't pin it to one moment. It has to be every single time someone rings and shares a little moment like that and sometimes they're very sad, and sometimes um, they're wonderful news, you know, like a, a birth or something like that. People ring and share that, and it makes me feel like they're my friend. Yeah, and it tells me that they think I'm their friend. And sorry to keep saying I, but I mean no, sometimes no, it's grubby yeah. and I, but you know, <laughs> yeah. um, that's when I go home with a happy heart. Yes. I think that's lovely, you know. I'm I'm not changing the world. I'm doing a radio show. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. But if whenever I'm able to share something like that with a person, which is the joy of radio, just that personal thing of the connection Um to me, that makes it all worthwhile.
0: Yeah. Well, I suppose yeah, that, that's almost quite quaint that as we were speaking about before, there's there is that connectedness from your audience, yeah. but that speaks to me there that, that you feel that in many ways back with them, yeah. which um yeah, which I reckon that's yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. yeah.
1: I love it. I know it sounds a bit cute, too cute to be true, but it's true. It's yeah. true. I love that. I love the fact. And and uh, when Grubby and I left Gold, I was it was actually a couple of weeks later. I was shopping at the supermarket. And a lady walked up to me, and she just threw her arms around me and gave me a big <laughs> yeah. hug. I didn't know her. Yeah. It was so lovely. She said, "Hope you don't mind." I said, "No, not at all. It's yeah. it's really lovely." Yeah. Having said that, look, it probably will freak me out if you come and hug me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. No, I'm I'm always happy if people say hi. You know, it makes me. It's nice. Everyone wants to feel loved, don't yeah, they? Absolutely. I like that.
0: Yeah. Well, Dee thanks so much for chatting to me today. Thank you, um, Rowan. Yeah. Look, I've I've learned a lot. Um, it's yeah, so interesting to get your perspective. As someone who, I suppose, in many ways, kind of went down the path that I thought that I'd go down in some ways, having studied journalism and, and going on to radio. So, um, thank you for yes, yeah, some nuggets of wisdom that you've given us today. Keep and, at yeah, it, been Really wrong. great chat. <laughs> thank you.